Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Michael, today's guest, man, it seems so perfectly timed. Jason Berkowitz is here to talk about search engine optimization and websites. And wait, 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 before you all start turning the dial thinking, I don't want to listen to that. No, he makes it human and normal and interesting. And I think this may be the first time you fully appreciate why it's important and not be overwhelmed by how hard it is. And he's just a genuinely nice guy. And so he's going to walk us through how to break the web how to make sure you're at the top of the search rankings where you deserve. And we get to talk about how the computers are taking over the world and we're all going to end up in a Terminator movie soon. Okay, not quite that I much. I but... think that's exactly what we said. <laughs> I think that might be your view of the world, which is not rooted in any I, form of reality. I'm pretty sure I heard him say that. Now, I'll have to go back and listen, but I think he talked a lot about that, about how we're days away from- I think you from... talked a lot about that. He politely nodded and smiled and humored the crazy dude. Days away from the um, robot uprising. So for the sane people listening, um, I think you're going to enjoy Jason Berkowitz. I think you're going to enjoy hearing about Break the Web and how they do search engine optimization and why it's so important. And um, if I'm wrong, let me know. But otherwise, enjoy. And uh, uh, here we go with Jason Berkowitz. Yeah, some digital artifacting going on in your voice. I don't know what bad connection or something. I don't know. I thought that was happening with him. I thought mine sounded great. It it does at times. At, at the very end, like when you're just saying that very end part, it was like. You want to redo that very end part? It's the very end. Okay. So I think you're really going to enjoy Jason Berkowitz, who's the founder and SEO director of Break the Web, which is a search marketing agency focusing on search engine optimization and paid advertising. So check it out, give it a listen and learn some stuff. So joining us on the podcast today, Jason Berkowitz. Jason, we're so glad to have you. I, Mike and I were talking before the show. You are the third piece of our little triangle uh, because, you know, I, I do strategy. He does graphic design. But the web component is a whole other thing. And I cannot wait to hear all about how you and your company break the web. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome. So, you know, when I think about websites and I think about the function that they are supposed to provide, it feels like every website has to have two specific different audiences, the humans They're going to go there and read information and take some sort of action or knowledge and the machine uh, that actually pays attention to the back end actually ranks them, you know, as a search result, et cetera. So do you feel that one of those audiences has more importance than the other or how do you approach taking two different, very different audiences into consideration? Yeah, that's a great question. Google says that they want to rank and index websites as long as they provide a great user experience. But like you said, sometimes what might be a great experience for the bots might also be a very different experience for a user, especially when it comes to content or like copywriting, really clever copywriting, which we know with lingo and jargon and uh, 
something a sentence might make sense, but Google is like, this doesn't grammatically make sense. I, the idea is to find the overall balance. You know, how can you satisfy both user intent and search bot intent and what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to, to put together, all the different pieces, whether it's a specific page's relevance and or uh, the different conversion values or bringing people down the funnel. Uh, finding the good balance is the never ending challenge, but trying to make as much work as possible is the best. <laughs> so it is really two very different audiences and you have to take both into complete consideration. At times, yeah. Um, we recommend to optimize for real users, real humans versus search bots. SEO is just one of the many different marketing verticals. And if you're lowering overall conversion or engagement on your page to satisfy Google, then any traffic that you bring in from Google anyways just won't convert. So it's not even right. worth it. Um, let Google come secondary to messaging. Right. Um, I was reading about Google's, uh, and I think it's new-ish philosophy um, about this E-A-T, and then they kind of added another E. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It's E-A-T. Um, it, talk to us a little bit about that, because I thought it was a very interesting turn on almost prioritizing the human side of it. Yeah, it's really important in what we call YMYL industries, your money, your life. Um, industries that impact your money or your life, like health, finance, those type of ones. And it's really just trying to showcase expertise and authority. I mean, expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. And now right. I guess experience is the new right. E. Uh, the more you can do that, the better it helps both, I guess, at the same time, users and the algorithms. We tend to see, and I'm sure you see in maybe health directory websites or health sites like healthline.com, for example, they showcase the authority and the expertise right at the forefront. They say who's the writer or who reviewed the article, citations and resources listed for things that were mentioned throughout the content. It's important um, to find any true impact on whether eat implementation on your page or not has an actual set in stone impact, but it, it helps. I think it helps everybody in that instance. What about, I mean, I, I like what you had to say about the, um, you know, not chasing after your your search listings versus, you know, writing good content and writing things that matter, Be, being that authority, you know, having that authoritative stance on things. And we really, you know, push that for our clients and and try to make them, you know, tell stories that are engaging and, and really connect with people on an emotional level, right? And if you're chasing after this other thing, it can really you know, put you in a bad place, I think, long, long term, you know. Um, and one of the things that I think everybody seems to be, I get so many emails every day. I'm an SEO expert. I'm an SEO this and SEO, SEO, SEO. And it's the new buzzword, right? Or it has been for a while. And how do you, as somebody who does this and has, has success with it, you know, are, are there Basically, are there imposters out there? Are there people that you shouldn't trust with your SEO? You know, because um, yeah. they may say they did it, they read a book, and now they think they know it, and they're following this program, but they're going to end up get you in the same boat by following this. What I just said was probably not a good idea. I mean, I guess that can be said for anything where you immediately become a guru after taking one course. Uh, I remember, like the life coaching industry is huge in that way. People, you know, open up their mind and instantly they're life coaches. Um, in the SEO world, if you're familiar with old school, traditional SEO, where 
the execution processes were very, very different and what's now labeled as spam, pretty much. There are, they're not as much as there were, was a couple of years ago, but a decade ago, everything we were doing was very, very different. We were building links to websites at scale with the click of a button. We were regenerating content using what's called spin text where synonyms and words change and it's pretty much duplicate content. And now it would be considered spammy. I don't see as many people, maybe it's just the circles I run in, that are promoting strategies that would be questionable. So I think the level, the playing field has gone up a little bit, which is nice. But I think when you're you're evaluating an SEO specialist, do they have the proof? Can they do what they say? Uh, I'm not a big fan of references. I think that's more of like a traditional thing, like asking somebody to do a reference where people don't have time uh, to answer a lot of questions like that. But if you have testimonials, the more proof you can show on what you're doing, I think you know it's the best you can do. I mean, is, is it does it sometimes just come down to is there a cost issue or a sweat equity issue? Like how much time are you willing to put into it and or pay for that time to get it done? Because it's sometimes it's you know you've got to go through the legwork. You've got to be organic with your material. You've got to push content. There's a lot of things that you have to be doing. You can't just push a magic button and say, I want my SEO. I want to be on top of the page, right? And I'm going to pay for that. Yeah. You have to pay for somebody to, to do it, right? Yeah, and even that person might also have hard costs, whether it's assistance or if they're an agency, they may have team members, tool sets, um, all these different things. And then, yeah, time, time spent and sweat equity there. And also just level of expertise which also does warrant sometimes a higher what could be an hourly rate or a retainer cost um yeah i mean there's a lot of different factors especially that comes into choosing one seo versus another i don't think expensive equals good i think we've established now especially in marketing where we like to think that expensive equals good we now know <laughs> i was at home depot two weeks ago and i picked in a really expensive toilet seat because it had a little LED light on it. So I figured, oh, in the middle of the night, I can see where I'm going. It broke after one day. And then I went back to the $30 one and uh, it worked. And I even said to the guy that I was returning, you think expensive equals good? He's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Uh, so most specialists typically have hard costs. Again, whether that is a true hard cost, it could be time, employees. Um, SEO is an investment, though, at the same time, too. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes also SEO may not even be fruitful for certain businesses. If there's no demand out there for what you offer, and you may have a great offering, just maybe social media might be better, then also it's probably not worth it. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, and I was reading, you know, how do you Wait, differentiate? I'm sorry, Michael, I just have to interrupt. I now want a toilet seat with an LED light, even knowing it's going to break. I still want that. I can make so one. I totally get one it. I'd have wanted like, to. <laughs> Has a motion sensor, so when you walk in, the, the top lid comes up. Oh my Shark god! Tank. Uh -huh. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. Get you some uh, runner lights, LED lights. You can like hit a button and have them, you know, move around. This I, I think we're way off topic. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just turn my bathroom into a discotheque. I love it. Yeah. Um, I was asking about Sorry, Michael. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I, I like the toilet seat conversation. Um, and the Shark Tank thing. I mean, because I'm always, I'm a big Shark Tank fan. So anytime we can, um, I, I that's what I my my dream. I'm thinking of all these things I can do all the time. Most of them are really bad ideas, but um, but one day you never know. You never know. Um, the difference between search engine optimization and paid advertising, and um, 
you know, and I'm in the, I'm in this business and, and we do this for our clients, but it's not really something that I'm, I specialize in. And it kind of makes my head hurt because it, it's a big thing, you know, and when you get deeper and deeper into it, it's more Jackie's side of the coin. Um, and from what you do, how do you differentiate that versus, okay, I'm going to pay for my SEO treatment, but I'm also doing paid um, advertising, but it's definitely not the same thing. Yeah, they're very different. And it's been trying, I mean, people have trying, have been trying to collect data to see if there's a correlation between how much money you're spending in Google ads compared to where you might be ranking in organic. I think that's been disproven that there is no correlation, but they're just very, very different. You know, and I think they each have their own positives and negatives where SEO requires a lot of patience and time and a lot of collaboration bringing in different parties. If you're a bigger company, you need developers, some, maybe even times you need legal, you know, to give a write off and where paid ads less time, you can typically launch something and get it in front of eyes within a matter of days. And you can see a direct instant return where even just SEO is significantly hard to track ROI, uh, just cause attribution is missing. Google doesn't tell you what keywords drove which bit of traffic uh, or efficiently. They don't tell you efficiently how to uh, see that. Just completely different marketing verticals. We have clients that if they do have the budget, we can do a couple of things with paid ads that might indirectly help SEO. First, you need some quick wins. Let's get some quick wins out there. We'll launch a paid ads campaign while SEO works its way up, but also we can use paid ads for testing keywords and search terms. If we find that there's a big market demand for a certain topic, we can throw a little bit of budget into Google ad, see how people might be clicking, and then of course converting. If the conversion value is low, probably not a good SEO priority. But if we're getting a lot of quick wins, we can probably save a lot of money if we get really good organic positioning for that keyword, mm -hmm. if that made sense. No, it does. It does. It, as a, as a writer, I, I, I struggle with a lot of that because I, you know, I, I try not to, we have an interactive um, developer here and, and they'll help with, key, we, we kind of on the baseline, they help us communicate with web developers and SEO specialists and things like that. Um, and they help me with the writing too. And we'll start with keywords and whatnot. And it's really hard because they're all taken. You know, there's nothing, it's, there's nothing new, like, okay, a guarantee if there's a, um, like I can say that we are a branding agency and we're swallowed up by every other branding agency, right? Well, we're a Lafayette based branding agency. Well, then it gets smaller. Right. And so we're starting to weed away at that pocket, but somebody in Chicago is probably not going to type in Lafayette branding agency, you know? So it's like trying to find that little magical mix of those top five and top 15, top 20 words that you can use over and over again. Yeah, I mean, even if you go for a longer tail or more specific, the overall search volume might be lower, but the purchase intent is a lot higher. So let's say you go for branding agencies for D2C brands, you know, that does take away the overall larger vanity numbers and market that might be there. But you also have the specialization, for example, in D2C, or I know you guys do B2B, uh, branding agencies for B2B businesses, or branding agencies for B2B SEO businesses, like even more specific, if that's your target persona and your messaging is there, the conversion value is so much higher. Yeah, good point. I saw Jackie writing notes. She's going to um, implement. I've been notes the whole time, and then my mouth just died. So now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm Jack, saying Jackie's... all this good stuff. I got to get it down. 
Jackie's new to the Mac world where she has to charge her mouse and then her and all the, all the converts in her office are always like, do you have a mouse cord? I didn't charge. I'm like, charge your mouse. It's just part of the deal. You own a Mac, you got to charge your mouse. Okay. I know we're a little off the topic, but this is important to me. Why don't they build the mouse so that I can plug the charge in while I'm using it? This whole flip it upside down thing is some bullshit. (laughs) I have one. It has a USB port Logitech. That here you go. Look. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, Same. <laughs> similar series, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't um, for that reason. I, I went and got something a mind structure right now while I use it. So, um, but anyway, she's Whatever. in the office. Don't be all she's superior with your technology. I'm just saying. I, I love that a, a few years ago, Jackie wouldn't go near an Apple product, then, she, then the phone started, and it was the watch. Now she's like a total Mac geek. She's got a watch. She's got a laptop she's got an ipad i mean i get it because i mean this is the mac mouse it's also really noisy yes like Ooh, so if you're I on a not, meeting like or that. a podcast any click like if we're on a sales call for example i'm taking notes and i'm typing away but i'm also trying to have a conversation so all people hear is click click and keyboard keyboard i have to switch it up also just for that exact reason it might be a little distracting yeah, see, i would or not maybe like that. even rude sometimes yeah. yeah yeah good point what um this is since we're just rambling around here. Um, how are you? What are your thoughts on? Now I'm put you on the spot with this because I think everybody's still trying to figure it out. But oh, no. the AI thing that's going on because it's affecting. I think it's affecting our like industry. ChatGPT. Yeah, not today, but I think down the road we're gonna have to make some altercations in who we do and how we do it. I think right now it's um, it's the generator of a great mediocrity. Because everything it's putting out is basically borrowing from what's out there, and it's 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 just basically collecting information for you from somewhere else, which I think is is wrong because it's proprietary, it's intellectual property of somebody else, right? But nobody seems to care about that. But this thing is going out there and grabbing all this stuff, putting it together, and regurgitating it basically, right? And it's it's smart and it's doing it in, in a way that I've seen it, I've played with it, and it's not bad, but it's also not original, and it's also not creative and 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 how it's presented back for what you're really trying to do and i think you could probably prompt it to death and get something out of it at some point but I'm, i hear a lot of people right now are saying oh you can do it for seo and you can do it for keywords you can do it for et cetera et cetera et cetera what, what do you i'd love to hear your thoughts on this i'm so tired of hearing about ChatGPT. honestly i mean you also brought up a really good point about and a side tangent i'll circle back about ownership of content I mean, that's pretty much what Google has been doing with their featured snippets in which they give results is they take your content and throw it on Google search. Uh, they cite you as a source, but they also want to keep you on Google search for monetization purposes. And then they show previews of what it would look like when they have their conversational AI in which they may not necessarily cite sources. It's like, where are you getting your information from and how's that going to impact it? I mean, that's just a, a question is, uh, Google's usage of your content is a very separate question, mm-hmm. but ChatGPT is not AI. It's a language model. It's, you know, like you said, based on data going up until 2021 when it scraped the web, like you can ask it current events and it'll say, I don't know. It also can check the web. It doesn't scrape the web because that's expensive on their part. Mm-hmm. So if you say, go and find me five plumbers to fix my toilet, um, it won't be able to. So it has its use cases for SEO. SEO is only as good as a strategy behind mm-hmm. it. And you can say maybe, like write me some meta descriptions, which sure, that's not 
the biggest deal, the impact in SEO nowadays is not as much as it used to be, where you want to really focus on getting that click from search of meta descriptions. You can maybe say, hey, what are other similar topics on this one topic? You won't have data to back it up, but it might help with some creativity uh, with maybe page titles, meta descriptions a little bit. Can't do the work for you. Can't really give much direction or strategy there. Can't do research, uh, like real user research. Mm -hmm. um, I use it almost exclusively for Google Sheet formulas uh, creation. So we get like very intricate with our Google Sheets and maybe even some of our deliverables. And also our team wants to provide as much value in as little time as possible. So I mm -hmm. create these really elaborate Google Sheets scripts and things that are connecting and automates a bunch of information. And then the front page of it on Google Sheets is client facing and looks nice and pretty. Uh, so I use Google uh, ChatGPT for that. But no, that, that makes sense. And I mean, because I've seen it do these little, you know, algorithm or coding or things like that, which is interesting. Uh, but again, most of what I've seen as far as copy goes and the people that are pushing it, um, you know, they're on TikTok or Instagram and they're pushing these um, narratives like, you know, yeah, I can generate all this content and then I can run it through here and I can get SEO and I can get tags and write my video scripts for me. And I'm like, nowhere in that conversation did you mention quality? Did you mention your audience? Did you mention the content that you're actually creating? They just want to generate stuff and, and flood it out there. And again, the idiocrity of just clouding the world with more noise, you know, and that, that's what bothers me about it more than anything. And so people are going to be jumping into this stuff um, that shouldn't be doing it and saying they can do it because they're using this artificial process, you know, that's not genuine or authentic or, or based on, like you said, research or talent, really. Yeah, like you said, like real good copy is you research and you interview humans to understand their perspective, their pain points, their status in life, uh, and what would be awesome for them. Yeah, you nailed it. It's, I mean, this is our industry. It's, there's always shiny objects, something new happening. It'll fade out, I think, in due time when, I think it kind of has a little bit when the nostalgia or the, the excitement of it wears off. Mm -hmm. um, but if anyone's looking at ChatGPT or OpenAI, their, their main company, to write content, I mean, maybe for outlines. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And yeah. as a as a prompt starter or a helper or, or to help get something on the paper on a blank page, that's all great. But um, like I, I agree with you. I I you know I hope we don't come to a world where we have we have um that it's a little terrifying that they can you know something is thinking the way that I think or human can think. But for the time being, I think it's just um it's it's a fun toy for some people. Uh, my, my fear is that people were actually using it to to sell work to other people. And that's that's kind of, I think, unethical, you know, and like, because it's yeah. not yours. It, you shouldn't be doing that because you can't trust it. I mean, you have to be able to put your name on something and say, I did this and I'm going to I'm going to stand behind it. But if you're getting it from some other way, it, it's just, you know, I don't know. That, that, that's not a good story. You know, we had um, we actually had a client who sent us um, a list. They were playing with it and they said, hey, hey, we found some taglines that we thought whatever. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm going. Oh my God, please stop. You know, first of all, and they were all like really bad. I mean, they, they sounded good enough. It would, it would be like if I had an intern or a junior copywriter working for me and they sent me some stuff, that would be their first draft. And it would be like, okay, this is a good start, but all this has kind of been done. It's all very vanilla. It sounds, no, you know, it's, it's like expected. Go back and do it again and do it like 10 more times until we get to the good stuff. Cause this wasn't the good stuff, you know? And, um, and, you know, hopefully that that is something that um, and the more people I talk to, they're not as obsessed about it as I am or or think about it as much as I just keep hearing about it. Like, I agree with you. I'm just so tired of like that coming up. Like, let's get back to 
real talk and real conversations and not Go let that be right the now. driver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you brought up a, uh, oh, sorry, Jackie. No, I was just going to jump in and, and make it clear, not just to you, but to everyone listening, that this is what Michael does. He has to obsess about these things. The shiny new thing, you know, a lot of people say, oh, shiny new thing. I'm going to go on TikTok and talk about it. Shiny new thing happens. Michael takes it deep into his soul and lets it linger and occupy him and weigh him down with the weight of the world while he analyzes the thing that's never actually going to happen. Maybe. <laughs> Looking for the easy way, not the, not the best way. Right, exactly. No, I, I mean, just that's like to... a, that's a personality trait though. When you talk about oh, yeah. AI and whether or not AI might be able to think like you think, I mean, our personality traits, our cognitive biases are kind of ingrained in the way maybe we grew up, the influences we've had, maybe traumas, experiences. I mean, AI, I mean, I don't even know, we're not there yet, but I guess a good, good question. Can AI replicate those type of experiences that influence the way you think now? Like great copywriters are really creative in certain areas, partly due to maybe some experiences when they were younger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, don't and, know the and the the art, I won't even go into the art thing because, the, you know, there's, you know, you can plug in these things or oh, okay. these art. I'm like, yeah, if I was like 1970s, heavy metal artists. That's what it all looks like to me. It's all this like death metal looking album covers, you know, it's really like bizarre, but people are like kind of geeked out about it. I'm like, this is not as cool as you think it is. Um, you know, we're not quite there with that yet, you know, and I'm not sure why, why we would want that, you know, as a, as a, as a humanity, why do we want that? And it's like, I, I want to, I can go create that doing this. I'm like, yeah, but you're not really, you're not really creating it and you're not really doing it. And so it's allowing people to have access to things that they can't do, but why not just go take the time to learn to do it? You know, and if that's kind of the, 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 the message that I would take from all that is like, okay, I can program this thing to go write a song for me, but why not just learn how to write the piano and then go write the song for myself. And then that's more, you know, authentic and genuine, you know, but we'll see. I did have ChatGPT write a rap song about my cleft lip dog. And it actually wasn't bad. It, yeah. it wasn't bad. <laughs> did they just write the words or did they also write some music and, and like harmonies and melodies? Just the words, but it was okay. enough and intriguing enough that I wrapped it out to my wife horribly. But it was like, oh, things rhymed and found rhymes with cleft lip and yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I um I was asked, I do some consulting work on the side for the Everlow Foundation, and I was asked by one of my consulting clients um if they should hire a writer or, you know, utilize ChatGPT and do all the writing for them. And so, you know, I, I had to pay uh, respect to the question and put together uh, kind of some detailed pros and cons and, and work it out for them. And so I used ChatGPT to create it, um, to create the report. And so it was fascinating to see all of the um, phraseology that felt so computerized and there was just this lack of humanity to it. And I think that immediately let them know exactly the answer to that question. Like I didn't even have to tell them. It was so obvious that there was a human missing and they ended up hiring a writer. So it worked out very well for them. Jackie Russo, what the hell are you doing? Do not give that machine information. <laughs> Do not feed it. But it told me exactly the answer, which was it sucked at creating a reason why it should be in charge because uh, no. it has no humanity. I feel bad for teachers right now, junior high, high school, college professors. This has got to be awful for them in terms of essays and writing projects. And I mean, how do you not just assume every student could take the shortcut? 
friend, I was actually talking about this with a bunch of people this morning. OpenAI, who owns and runs ChatGPT, is coming out with a detection tool, apparently. Mm. So they're hitting both sides of the coin, which is a genius move on their end. I'll yes. give them that. Um, yes. So I know now people are using it in school, but for how long? Right. Right. No, that's fascinating. Um, I want to get back to our actual point, because I do feel like <laughs> I have allowed us to be led astray. Um, when you are working with someone, what are the tools and the kind of process that you recommend? And I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets or undermine your own authority. Uh, I think the work you do is important and we've established the human involvement is necessary. Uh, but for somebody to get a sense of, you know, I just don't really know where to start. And I, I know I kind of need some of that SEO stuff. I'm not really sure where to go. Where do you guide them to kind of say, listen, this is where you look at your terms, your competitors' terms. There's a lot of tools out there. I know a lot of people like SEMrush or some of the straight up Google products. Who's your go-to? Yeah, I think the first thing would be is, where are you in your business? Are you a solo founder? Then the question is, do you have the time and mental capacity to even think about trying to do any SEO? Because founders tend, and small businesses tend to wear a lot of hats and try to get everything done, nothing gets done. Um, but if you do need to do the research yourself, I mean, free tools like um, alsoasked.com can pull up kind of questions that people might be asking about a certain topic um, based on Google's people also ask accordions. There's answerthepublic.com. There's Google Keyword Planner, which can give you broad ranges if you're not paying for things um, on demand. Just simply, you know, type in a search. And if there's a lot of results for that same search, like it's clear that people are typing in and or trying to optimize their website for that query might be a little bit of demand there and can give you some quick 2am answers on whether or not your shark tank idea is a good idea or not. No, that's brilliant. And, and I like the point of gives people maybe just a little taste of getting involved, which I think probably helps them understand how important the science is and hiring an expert because it's complicated and it's hard and they really shouldn't do it themselves. Uh, I often find, and I'm wondering if you do too, that uh, one of the biggest challenges is that people assume the language of their industry is the language of their customer. Talk a little bit about how you help them translate. Yeah, that's actually, um, it happens more times than we might think where people say they know their audience, they know their audience is typing something in. But then we go to the numbers and say, hey, again, we know this number is not accurate, but based on maybe some trends and some search volume, not many people are typing it in. But if you relax the tonality and the language a little bit, you might see that here's a search term that pretty much satisfies the same intent, but just has buttloads more right. of search demand and buttloads more uh, traffic. Then you circle back and try to find that balance between SEO and messaging again on the website. But sometimes, you know, if people are sticklers in their messaging and they really know, then they either got to work a way, a way around it, maybe compensate for SEO elsewhere on their website and on their page. But usually we like to be data driven versus kind of emotionally driven. Right. Right. No. I, and I just find it's it's so amazing to me, just the language of it. You know, I, I think that the search engines are smarter than us, um, which makes Michael feel like the machines are about to take over the world, which is probably true. Um, and yet the, the translations don't happen. You know, that that specificity that has to be there so that the search engine understands exactly what you're searching for. Um, and so in our own industry, for example, if I'm talking about brand identities, 
but my customers call them logos, we're going to be mismatched. And so you really have to leave your box and venture outside of the language you're comfortable with and know where your target audience is coming from and the words that they use, because I guarantee you they're going to be different. Yeah. And the question we might ask on that is, I mean, your target ideal client avatar, do you want them to be looking for just logos? Where are they in their business? Are they just starting? They have a conceptual idea. I mean, there's many places to get a logo, but a brand identity, they're kind of a little bit further along. They know a little bit more about brand building and a logo is not a message. Logo is not a brand. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing you, Jackie. There you go. There you, I'm, I'm with Jason on that. There, thank you, Jason. She was trying Michael, to prove a point. Like, I didn't know that. I, I know, but you, I, I think you were so I'm sorry. That sounded really smart. Second of all, because he said it, that makes the audience realize it must be true. I say it all the time. Um, and now you just blew my cover. Well, I mean, I do thought... you want to spend the time educating somebody on the difference between a logo and a brand? You know? No, it's a great point. And, but I kind of, maybe I knew that in my head, but I was about to argue the fact that, no, I'm not going to go call it a logo just because everybody wants to call it because they're, I'm not going to dumb down. I mean, there's a, and I understand Jackie's point. We go back and forth on this all the time. Um, as a strategist and a creative, it's like, she wants to, you know, Hey, what language are we using? Are we speaking the language of our audience and their audience, you know? And I agree with that completely, but at the same time, I don't want to start slow pulling back on what, kind of like what you just said, I'm looking for the people that do know what that means because they're going to appreciate it and they're going to be willing to pay for it because they understand the difference. And they know the, it's more cost than a $40 Fiverr logo. Yes, Which is expensive on Fiverr, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think $5 is the typical on Fiverr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's got to oh, slash through it. And, you know. But see, when people don't think through the strategy of it, they don't really know their target audience, then they just start grabbing at anything. And so I think what we've talked about here is not just the importance of language in search engine optimization, but circles all the way back to the importance of really knowing your audience. Uh, because when you don't know your target audience, you're going to misalign yourself with the wrong group every single time. Yeah, we don't even know. I don't know many people in my industry, in the SEO industry, that actually does that similar exercise of your traditional client avatar picture. There's all these different models and things that you can fill out for your ideal client right. avatar and researching, asking your clients, what status are they? Uh, what pain points do they have? What issues? And aligning mm -hmm. your messaging towards that. I mean, you save yourself a lot of time, trouble, education, and better conversion rates and better lead quality. Absolutely. We had, um, we're kind of uh, industry agnostic. We, we have a, clients all over the spectrum and different, different types of work they do. And um, we had somebody the other day and they were very specific and it was, um, it was a terminology that they used and they came back to and it was like, okay, I don't know what it means. And then we asked them and they weren't sure what it means, but they said, I, I think we use it. And so we had to go back and forth. We had to go figure out that this terminology, and then there was a, there was like a movement to call it something else completely, but it, it was just whole rabbit hole of, they didn't even really know what it was, but they were doing it. They were literally doing that task and they just didn't know what it was called. Which shiny, was fascinating. A shiny object, kind of like a shiny word in the industry, yeah. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. So, you know, when you are thinking about how much the industry changes and it feels like Google changes their rules every couple of months and therefore all the search engines change their rules every few months because they kind of mirror what Google's doing. Um, what do you do to help stay ahead of that curve to keep your clients' sites updated um, and making sure that they're following all the rules as things change? 
Yeah, so for the most part, rules don't necessarily change. Google has their big picture goal and what they want to do is serve quality, real, relevant results. And if your actions are aimed as much as possible at serving that bigger picture, then you're typically set up for success. They do throw out algorithm updates that might change the quality of the search results, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, but just trying to keep top of mind to changes like, for example, we talk about eat health websites and industries that might fall in YMYL do you try to bit of, uh, have to take a bit of a, a step to improve that experience, maybe mm -hmm. have better author bylines, better author bios. So, you know, just think of the day in the news, if Google has uh, an algorithm update, usually chatter gets around the community. We mm -hmm. personally have RSS feeds set up that when something related to, to something big in Google happens, like an algorithm update or an algorithm change, it pings uh, one of our main Slack channels automatically. Uh, so that's how we kind of stay up to date, especially if you're not sitting there browsing all the publications, the search engine publications frequently, easy way to get up to date information. And then just chatter around the community is how we might hear if people are experiencing certain things like LinkedIn, Twitter, um, there are some forums that exist too. I love that. How do you, um, I was reading on your website, um, in one of your services, which I, I think is interesting, the content marketing side of uh, SEO focused content marketing. Um, how does that work? I mean, when you're looking at, most people think of SEO, they think of web traffic, right? And they think of how do yeah. I get people to my page? And uh, when you delve into content marketing SEO, is it, is it some of the same basic fundamentals? Similarly, so content marketing in itself could be a broad marketing vertical that might include mm -hmm. social, might include email. Ours, as we label it, and maybe we need to update the copy a little bit, SEO driven content marketing. So if there's demand, uh, more top of the funnel, kind of a bit more informational in search intent, then we can help uh, produce SEO driven content that will get clicks, will get traffic aimed at bringing people down the user funnel, bring them more mid funnel and even better to bottom of the funnel, as well as also being able to be attractable and bring in links, whether it's through our own digital PR and our outreach, or sometimes, I mean, the most natural way of building links is by being number one on top of Google, because people will often cite your website as a resource, but that's what we mean is SEO driven content marketing. So less promotion on social, less promotion on Reddit and Pinterest and email and paid. They all could work. We, uh, a lot of our clients who actually do have fully integrated teams like that, uh, we can provide kind of a SEO driven topic idea, help them with the creation of that. And then they also might use it for other marketing efforts too. Mm -hmm. It's like thought leadership, getting the brand out there. From an SEO side, you're also enhancing the relevance, the top of mm -hmm. the relevance of your domain overall. If you're continuously posting new content around a given area, you're just telling Google more and more what your website's about. And I think thought leadership is really undervalued by people. Um, and, you know, internally we talk about it. I know you do. It's such an important part of content creation and establishing um, why you should be listened to. I don't think people fully appreciate how vital it is. Um, where do you feel like in the priority it falls um, into SEO? Is it is it at the top? Is it in the middle? Is it at the bottom? I think probably an equal balance as more like bottom of the funnel service or transactional pages as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, thought leadership, you can write thought leadership that's valuable to your users without any SEO interaction there. We have clients, thankfully, that also publish a lot of thought leadership content that has no SEO value, but it helps their consumers and helps them, you know, be a leader in their specific space. 
uh, it can be used again to bring in new audiences that may not have heard of you. Um, that yeah, it's more informational. They may not be looking to spend money or be a lead in your system, but you're creating a footprint and you're creating awareness, which in turn can also bring in links to that page, which in turn helps helps your domain overall. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you have things to say, I mean, it, you should, you know, you want to be an expert in your industry and your t- uh, and what you do. Writing about it is one of those ways, like nobody has to read the content, but if they go to your blog and see page title, page title, page title, it could be obvious that, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. They're willing to write about it in a public forum. Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I've seen people that, um, you know, well, the people that are really smart, really good at what they do, they're, 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 they are thought leaders and they're in their world, but they don't have the, the, the time or wherewithal to really dig into that or become that. And um, they need help doing it versus there's other people I see out there that are like, they love that. That's their, that's their out. You know, they're not even, they're not even really digging into the company anymore. Maybe they're kind of on the, on the, the upside of that. And they're, that's all they want to do. They want to be on podcasts. They want to go talk about it. They want to be the, the gospels and preachers of all, of all these um, things that they're, 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 that they've done over time. You know, they like the accolades. They want to have the credit. They want, there's a lot of reasons for, I think, for people to do different things. And it, sometimes it's not even, has nothing to do with marketing. Yeah. And in due time, somebody may reach out to them and say, hey, that was a great article or a post mm-hmm. on XYZ. How can I, what's the best way to hire you or your company to help me with XYZ? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think if, if people listen to this, they have a, probably a passing interest and familiarity with search engine optimization and websites, and they understand the importance. But what are the, the big takeaways? What are the things that you just, no matter what they do next, you make sure they leave believing and knowing what? SEO is a mix of on-page SEO, things on your website that is used to signal relevance, and off-page SEO is used to signal trust. Every website, you and your competitors, could be relevant. You and your website could write really awesome content, the best content out there, which is uh, individual opinions based on what's the best quality. But then you need those trust signals. And a lot of people say like, oh, our website's SEO optimized, but sometimes maybe just on a foundational on-page SEO level where off-page comes in to signal trust. So being the most relevant, but also the most trustworthy uh, is an equal balance. And then a 1A or 1B aspect of that, probably be patient. SEO takes a little bit of time. Research, like good research, sometimes takes time. Um, and optimization, even just strategizing proper optimization, sometimes takes time. Again, when you're trying to balance messaging, tech stacks, SEO, uh, making sure all parties can properly play together. Oh man, that's like a million answers to that. <laughs> It wasn't a trick question because I know there's so much and I know sometimes people can't absorb all the things they need to know. So I just think if there's just a few things they can walk away with, that will at least set them in the right direction. Um, this has been great. Michael, did you have any other questions on your list? Because we've ticked off all mine. No, I no, I, I like I love these conversations because it is such a um, I think a lot of people deal with this. And I mean, we deal with people that are that have so many questions and it's just there's so much unknown about this stuff you know and and there's people that like you that really do this every day and dig into it i think a lot of people like sometimes it's us and we're you know we're guessing at a little bit even for ourselves like we understand okay we need thought lead. We, we understand all the all what we need to do it's taking the time to really do it for yourselves i think we're, we're our worst clients sometimes as an agency 
to, to take the time to really dig in and do those things that we know will work for ourselves. And, and I think other businesses do the same thing. It's like, okay, that's one, one less thing, but it's so important. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So I think most important thing, Jason, is tell the people how to find you. They've listened to this. They believe in your brilliance as we do. What should they do next to reach out? You can simply just go to Google, type in Break the Web, where the number one result, um, breaktheweb.agency. You can Google Jason Berkowitz, um, most active on LinkedIn as a social platform. Um, but yeah, Google Break the Web. That's perfect. I love that. Uh, and I know that you're going to show up at the top of that search, so I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> Used to be uh, awesome. Ellen DeGeneres and Kim Kardashian. Now we break, we, we break the web. Right. As you should. As you should. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your willingness to share your experience. I think that um, it's valuable. Uh, everyone living and breathing today should appreciate the importance of the web and knowing their place in it. So thank you so much for being here and sharing with us. Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you, Michael.